0: We are uh, starting a new a new series today. Um, I've been here nearly four years now, and um, so people have had a chance to figure out kind of the way I work. What I typically do is I, I work through a section of Scripture or work through a number of different Scriptures that are related to a single topic uh, for a, a couple of weeks, and then uh, we move on to a different topic, um, so e- either a different topic or a different passage of Scripture. And so we're going to be starting a new series today, um, drawn from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' longest public address. He talks for three chapters in Matthew's biography, and um, we're going to be picking it up in the middle. I actually have preached on it before here, so you can go listen online if you want to hear what came before this. But it's too long to to, to spend forever on it. Uh, it would take about a year to get through it, I figure, at my pace. And um, as important as the Sermon on the Mount is, It's only one part of the Bible, and we can't neglect the rest of the Bible, uh, even for something like the Sermon on the Mount. So we we mix things up um, through series. So we're going to be looking at this section of the Sermon on the Mount for the next couple of weeks, though. And we're going to be looking at the the tail. We're going to be picking it up today with the the tail end of a discussion Jesus has been having about the nature of the law. Um, Jesus has been kind of ratcheting up what people's understanding of the law was. Uh, Jesus says that the law says you've heard it said that the law uh, in the law that you should not murder you shall not murder and Jesus says but i tell you even if you're angry with your brother even if you call someone an idiot then you're subject to judgment he says he says in the law it tells you that you should not commit adultery but i say if you even if you even look at somebody to satisfy your lust by looking at them that 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 is also not what God would have you do. He says, He says the law tells you how you can have a divorce, but I'm going to tell you, it's incredibly hard for you to have a divorce righteously. So Jesus kind of takes the law and, and raises it up to a new level. Jesus says now in our passage, he says, to not resist evildoers and to love our enemies. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, well, Jesus is... Very impractical. That things would fall apart if we all did that. But Jesus is not talking to society. Jesus is not giving testimony and proposing legislation. Jesus is not telling us how we should organize society. Jesus is not talking to legislators. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to people who are trying to follow him and become his apprentices. So Jesus is not talking to society as a whole. He's talking specifically to us as disciples. Christianity understands that the world is full of bad actors. It really does. This is not some happy talk for some fantasy land that doesn't really exist in the real world. This is what Jesus is telling us in a world filled with bad actors. The early church understood better than we understand that there are bad actors in the world. The reason they understood better than we do is because they influenced the world for the better. That they had to deal with things that we don't, because they changed the world. So they understood that the world has bad actors in it. And so the early church said there is a role for society. Uh, Paul, who was one of the leaders in the early church, he wrote about it. We just heard the passage in in the book of Romans. Paul says there is a role for the emperor there is a role for the authorities that exist there is a role for the powers that be in the older language paul says there is a role for for society that in a world with bad people in it you need somebody to keep things in check he says he says that there are going to be people who will do who will do evil and society needs a way of dealing with that and he says that that's why the authority that's why the power that B has a, has a has a sword. So Paul tells us about that, and he's he's talking about any kind of wrongdoing that that exists in the world, whether it's a criminal enterprise, somebody who goes out very intentionally, I'm going to go rob a bank today, or if it's a crime of passion or domestic violence or some other kind of some other kind of evil doing that society is capable of dealing with. Uh, Christians understand that these things exist, and Jesus is not talking about them or he's he's not talking primarily about them he's talking not how society should organize itself he's talking to us as disciples he's telling us individually what to do now in our culture you may find yourself as one of those powers that be you may find yourself as one of the authorities that Paul was talking about you may work in law enforcement you may get summoned to do jury duty and in that case you would represent society that's why when you're questioned for jury duty and, and they say, are you involved in this situation? You know, uh, you know, this person stole my record collection. Well, I would be a bad candidate for the jury and they don't put me on the jury. So the understanding is that, is that the people in the jury, the people who are the powers that be, should have some detachment. So Jesus is talking to us not as that, that society and how society regulates itself. Jesus is talking to us as individuals. Jesus is saying that there is something beyond the law. There's something more than merely organizing society. Martin Luther King used to say that the law cannot um, change human hearts. The law cannot change human hearts. It can only restrain the heartless. So Christians understand there is a role for both. There is a role for restraining the heartless. But that's what Jesus is not talking about here. Jesus is talking about our hearts. Not the organization of society, but the organization of our hearts. Jesus is talking not how we can behave, but how we can be perfect. So let's take a look at the um, the, the passage of scripture here. Um, the the very end here of um, pardon me, the end of um, chapter five. Jesus says, "You've heard it said that that uh, you've heard that it was said." An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, this is the law of retaliation. Um, many ancient cultures had it. And uh, there, we've actually got, uh, I've got a couple of questions in the uh, in the program. So if you want to dig into this, you can. But the idea was actually to limit violence. It sounds, to our ear today, it sounds cruel, um, heartless. But it was actually designed to limit violence. Because if somebody hurt you, if somebody gouged out your eye or knocked out a tooth in a fight or something like that, what Many people, um, most people, judging by me as an example, would not be to stop at even. So we would we would escalate, and then and then next thing you know, somebody's dead, and then their family decides to to get vengeance, and then the family invokes the clan, and the next thing you know, you've got a feud that's going on for ten or fifteen or fifty years, and no one even remembers the original problem that caused it. So the purpose of the law of retaliation was to say no, it stops with even. Once you're even, it's done. That was the idea. But Jesus says, fine. That's fine for society. That's fine for the law. But it's not what I want you to be as disciples. He says, do not resist an evildoer. And then he gives four examples. He says, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. Right cheek. The reason he's talking about right cheek, in Jesus' culture, there were strong um, uh, reasons culturally why people... Were right-handed. I mean, I guess most people are anyway, biologically. But but in that culture, uh, it was very difficult to to be a uh, left-handed person uh, because of the cultural conditions uh, of the time. So everyone's a right-handed person that Jesus is talking to practically, and Jesus says, "If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, so if you think how that works, that means you're hitting them with the back of your hand, right? You're slapping them, not with." This side, but this side, to hit their right cheek. Jesus is not talking about physical violence so much, although that's part of this. He's saying, if somebody is deliberately insulting you, if somebody is hurting you physically in a way that's also designed to insult you, I'm giving you the back of my hand. Jesus says, if someone does that to you, turn the other cheek. Let it go. Let, Let it move on up the ladder. He says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, if anyone wants to exploit whatever the law allows them to do to take as much as they can from you, he says, let it go. Let them have your cloak too. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, in the ancient uh, Roman world, a a Roman soldier could compel your service. He could just pick you out of the crowd and say, carry my things one mile. And, And then when you got this stuff a mile, he'd pick somebody else and say, now you carry it the next mile. Jesus says, if he's doing that, take it the second mile too. And then he says, give to everyone who begs from you. Uh, uh, everyone, not just good risks. He says, give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is saying that that people who are violent, people who are insulting, people who are merciless, people who who are indifferent to what you were trying to do, the the, the Roman who says, carry my stuff, whether they're, they're insulting, whether they're merciless, whether they are indifferent, or whether they're just needy. Jesus says, let them have what they want. And I think most of us listen to that and say, why would you do that? And in context, Jesus gives us the answer. He says, You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Who are my enemy? Probably those people we just talked about, the merciless, the insulting, the violent, sometimes even the needy. He says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would you do that? And the answer is, so you may be children of your Father in heaven. What does he mean by that? In Jesus' culture, to be a child of someone, to be a son of someone, meant to have a family resemblance, to be a cut from the same cloth, to be kind of stamped out of the same mold, to be a chip off the old block. Jesus is saying, this way you will resemble your Father in heaven. This is what it means to be a child of your Father in heaven. He's not saying this is an entrance criterion to get in the family. He's saying this is the way the family operates. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Because my mind works this way, I wanted to know: is rain a good thing or a bad thing in this in this culture? Um, because you know, I'm thinking they're farmers. Maybe rain's a good thing, but really, it doesn't matter. I, I, I couldn't find anybody in my commentary uh, who who was uh, curious about that, because it doesn't matter whether rain's bad; it falls on the good. the the righteous and the unrighteous, or maybe rain is good because you need it for your crops, still, it falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is the way God behaves. When we insult God, when we don't do the things that God wants us to do, God doesn't hate us. God continues to love us. And Jesus says, when we do the same, we are children of our Father in heaven. And so Jesus closes it out saying, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. I want to offer you a contrast. Maybe some of you have seen this bumper sticker or um, I think it's a license plate in the photograph that's coming up. Um, Some of you may have seen this phrase before. Uh, It's small print. It says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And that's really kind of wrong. I mean, it's right. It's right, because Christians aren't perfect. I don't know any perfect Christians. Um, I'm certainly not one. Christians aren't perfect in that sense. But Jesus tells us to be perfect. Jesus tells us to strive for perfection. And I think that people with that license plate are probably not striving for perfection. They're kind of saying, cut me some slack. I'm like this. I'm that kind of driver. (laughs) So they are probably not striving for perfection. They're saying, you know... Forgive me, right? But Jesus is saying Christians should be perfect. And more than that, he's saying Christians should be forgiving, not forgiven. So Christians are being perfected and Christians are forgiven, forgiving as well as forgiven. I was thinking about an example we all saw this summer, this past summer. Um, the the church that was having a bible study in in Charlestown, South Carolina, and a man came in he was invited to be part of the Bible study. He sat down and then, after a little bit, he decided he was going to start shooting people and he did He killed i think nine or eleven people and During one of the hearings he was he was um, in, in in the hearing, and the victims the family and friends of the victims were allowed to speak, and one after another, it was It was an amazing experience to watch. One after another, they explained what he had done, how it had impacted them, how he had hurt them. And one after another, they said, but I forgive you. They were not perfect either, but they took seriously what Jesus is saying here. They said, this is what my Father in heaven is like. And so, although you have hurt me, I forgive you. This is not easy. This is hard. I don't know anyone who's doing it perfectly. But these are the people who make a difference. These are the people that we admire. If we have the opportunity, if you, if you think it through, somebody hurts you, are you going to say, well, look, I will see you in court. You can do that. That's that's your right. That's the law. You can do that. But is anybody going to think back about the time when Grandma did that? Or when my brother did that? Are people going to say, yeah, I remember the time he got his day in court and, and was victorious. He got his money back. The people we admire, the people who have changed the world, are the ones who absorb the insult. And let it roll off them. Who turn the other cheek. Who are different. They aren't reasonable. They're different. They're perfect. Like their Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Loving God, we, we are not perfect. But we thank you that Jesus reminds us that you would perfect us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would work in us. That you would soften our hearts Make us better soil for the work you're doing in us. Make us the kind of people who can forgive, who can love our enemies, who can turn the other cheek, who can go the extra mile. We pray, Lord, that you would make us perfect. In Jesus' name, amen.